Happy New Year. Or does it feel like an old year already? Uh, do you know what? I really missed you guys. Well, some, some of you anyway. You'll have to work out which ones the other ones are. Because it's a, it's a, we didn't meet last week. Uh, do you know what? I missed, I missed being with you. Did, did, you miss, did you miss me? Yeah, I'm sure you did, right, yeah. <laughs> Just like the youth are happy to be in this morning and they're not even here. Oh, they are here. There they are, up there, yeah. You pretend. You're happy to be in this morning, but, you, you know, well done for pretending. No, no, I'm, I trust you are happy to be in this morning. We're beginning a series in Jonah today. So for the next seven weeks, looking at the book of Jonah. So maybe you want to turn to chapter one if you've got a Bible. There's some on the side. It will come up behind me as well, but many of you like to look at a Bible uh, as, we, as we go through the message this morning. Let me pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death and resurrection that has saved us and given us new life and eternal hope. Help us this morning to have a bigger vision of you, Jesus, this morning, a bigger vision of who you are. May you captivate us. May fear and worries and pride, self-absorption become less. May we be focused on you. Please speak to us, Holy Spirit. Amen. So the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah. And uh, what's this book about? What's the book of Jonah about? I know you're just thinking about the, the big fish, aren't you? We're not, we're not talking about the big fish today. But, but the big fish does tend to be the thing we tend to think about when we think, think about Jonah. Really, it's a book about finding compassion. About someone who initially, Jonah, is called by God to go somewhere to help them to turn from their wicked ways and come to know God, to have compassion on them. Jonah runs away because he's fearful and lacks compassion. He runs away from God's call to mission. And it's about him learning and finding God's heart for lost people. And that's what we need to get, all of us. We're all busy. We've all got lots going on in our lives, haven't we? We've all got family, well, various things going on, right? Maybe, maybe families, maybe not. Maybe you're single. Maybe work. Maybe school. Maybe education. Whatever. Loads of stuff going on in your life. But somehow in all that... Compassion for the lost has to make a difference in the way that we live, doesn't it? People need to know, come to know God. There's many people who don't know God. And that's why our banner, which isn't here this morning, says bringing people to Jesus. Bringing people to Jesus. That's our vision. And that's what we're about or what we want to become increasingly about Today's message is entitled, Which Way Am I Running? Which way are you running? Is the slide going to come up? Is there a title? Which way am I running? Are we running towards God and his call, or are we running away from God's call? And the big idea is God calls all of us to his mission, 
we have to choose whether to run towards or run away from his mission. We have to choose whether we're going to run towards his mission or away from his mission. And if you're a non-Christian this morning and you're thinking, oh, this isn't relevant to me, let me ask you the question then. Are you, God wants you to come to him. Are you running, going to run away from him or are you going to come back to him? Are you going to come to know him? Like Jonah, are you going to run away from God or are you going to come to know God through Jesus Christ? If you're here this morning, I assume you're interested in the things of Jesus. I encourage you to come on the Alpha course and to explore the Christian faith. Are we running towards God or running away from God? Are we running towards God's call in our lives or are we running away from God's call in our lives? Specifically, am I running away from his mission or am I running towards his mission? And I struggle with this area. I mean, I think if I was to say, do I feel like a success in evangelism? Evangelism means speaking the good news. The word evangelism is about good news. Do I feel like a success? Just raise your hand if you feel like a success in mission. Or rather, do, do, do it this way. Let's be humble. Raise your hand if you don't feel like a success in mission. Okay? It's probably easier to put your hand up, isn't it? It's it's, this, is, this is a challenging thing. This is one of the most important things we're called to. It's one of the things that we, the church, not just here, but the church throughout this nation struggles with. And... So many in this nation need to come to know Jesus. And we need to find a way of taking a step forward in this. A member of the congregation here encouraged us to do a course on this, uh, on evangelism. And I prayed about it and I felt God lead, lead me to Jonah to use this story to teach us about learning compassion and how to reach the places that God has put us. I struggle with this. I am like Jonah. I am Jonah. I'm often running away, or, or not necessarily running away, but maybe passive, distracted, maybe not as proud of Jesus as I should be. Maybe I am ashamed. Maybe I hold back from saying in words that are different to this, you're a sinner you need to come to know Jesus. He died for you. He rose again. He wants to come into your life. Now, you wouldn't put it like that, obviously. I'm putting it in very clipped terms. But that's what people need to know. Through us, through me, through you. In the places God has put you. Your office, your classroom. I'm never going to get in there, am I? You are. God has put you there. God has sent you like Jonah. That's your Nineveh. Are we going to? I know, I know if you're in school, you'd like to run away. But don't run away. But... You, you don't run away from the mission that God has put you into. We all struggle with this. God calls us to lots of things, okay, that we struggle with. I think, you know, for example, we can run away from, about giving. We talked about giving in the notices. Giving. Prayer. How's our prayer life? How's our loving people? How's our forgiving people? We could all say we're struggling with lots of areas. We can run away from God in many areas. But in this series, I really want to talk about mission. 
because it's so important and we can miss it. So a brief introduction to this series then. Learning to run, the subtitle of this series is Learning to Run Towards Rather Than Running Away From God's Mission. God wants to recommission us. And let me just, um, just make a very brief point that could take a long time. I, this is the word of God we're looking at this morning. Jonah is the word of God. This is God's God-breathed Bible. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you want to hear God speak, you principally hear God speak through his word. People get excited this time of year. I believe in prophecy. I believe God speaks through prophecy. People get excited about all sorts of things going on on the internet and all sorts of things, people saying all sorts of things. I want you to be excited. Let's be excited about the Bible. God speaks through his Bible. The Bible is powerful because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. I hope this morning, as we, and as we go through these next seven weeks looking at Jonah, you're not just taking it as an interesting subject, but you are taking it as God speaking to us. And may we look, be humble and obey what he's saying to us. Amen? Amen. Good. Glad you're with me. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us God's compassion through this word. And he wants to reveal to us that we are hard-hearted. You and I, we are hard-hearted around this. You've got to be honest with yourself about the mission. Be honest. And you were. You put your hand up. You said, I, but, but, but let's not leave it there. I mean, I was praying about this the other day. I feel like a fraud. Like me speaking about mission to you. I'm sure you'd probably say the same if you were to stand up and preach as well. Like, I need to, Lord, help me not to be hard-hearted. Help me to be soft-hearted. Help me to be compassionate. I confess my sin. Help me to be soft-hearted. Help me to change. That's what we need, to be humbled by God's word and transformed by God's word. And thankfully, Jonah is like many heroes in the Bible. He is an example to us. He, he normally takes hold of broken people who are pretty useless. You can look at any hero of faith in the Bible, and they have so many flaws, and God takes hold of them because he knows that his word is for all history, and we're, we're all flawed, and God wants to use us. And he uses the humble, not the proud. If we are humble and realize I need your strength, Lord. I am Jonah. I run away. I am, I, I'm not fulfilling this great commission as you call me to. He will use you and me if we are humble before God and his word. There are two sections to this book, part one, part two. Surprise, surprise. Chapters one and two, part one. God calls Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach repentance, preach change, preach, come, go to them and help them to change, but he runs away. Part two, second call of Jonah, God speaks to Jonah, this time he goes to Nineveh and he preaches to them. In both sections, you have the response of non-believers. And in both sections, the response of non-believers is better 
than the response of Jonah. Which is a good point to make. That there are many good people in this world. Just because people are not Christians doesn't mean to say they're not, they, they don't have goodness. That they don't do good. That they don't do some wonderful things. Our, life is, our world is full of beauty. We, we don't think of non-Christians as people who are just useless. and they, they do need to come to know forgiveness through Christ. But in both sections, non-believers are shown to be compassionate, are shown to be helpful. They are shown to be, in, in morality, better than Jonah, who is prideful, fearful, and uncompassionate. And for many of us in this room, non-Christians live a more compassionate and helpful life than many of you and me. And may we all learn to grow, be salt, light, and the light of the world as the Spirit moves in us. Amen. So there's two sections. And in both sections, Jonah has to learn God's compassion. Firstly, by going into a storm, going into the heart of the sea in the great fish. And in that dark, deep situation, he learns compassion. But he doesn't quite learn it. He, has to, he thinks he's learned it, and he has to relearn it. And then secondly, this plant grows up, and through that, again, he learns God's compassion. So two parts. God's call, he runs away. God's call, he goes. And God teaches him compassion. So for all of us, God wants to teach us not to run away, but to run towards God's call. And we're going to do that if we learn compassion by the Holy Spirit. So let's read Jonah 1, 1 to 3. You were hoping I was going to start reading the Bible, weren't you? Jonah 1, verses 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went in the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Just want to make a little sales pitch now as well. The blog, the devotionals over the next seven weeks will, will be about uh, Jonah. Please do use them because they will help you to get deeper into this book and reflect on it. And so that together as a church, we can go on this journey looking at Jonah together. You probably have other reading things you do, other by all means, do whatever you need to do. But I'd love you to look at the blog each day, Monday to Friday. Do you all know how to find that? You should do. You find it by going to the website or looking at church news. There's a link. If you haven't got church news, please just do go into the, uh, fill in one of the cards and we'll send you church news. But also, you go to the website, click on teaching, and you'll find the blog there. And this week, you'll be pleased to know I've made a little video each day. See how you, see how you find it. Give me some feedback. Do you, do you think it's useful or not? It's taking me quite a lot of time, actually. Let you know that. So um, you pay me 
So it's your money, you paid for it, but I gave the time. So please do look at it, tell me what you think. It's very simple, very straightforward. Hopefully it will help you and all of us to go on this journey together as a church, learning together from the book of Jonah. God works, we see in this passage, don't we? God works through people. God's working through the prophet Jonah. Now, why does he work through people? I don't know why he works through people. But he does. He works through you. Just think about you. You, called to know him. If you're a Christian, you're called to know him. But think about it. He's given you a mission and a commission to go to your workplace, your college, your street, your family, and to be salt and light to bring the gospel there. You've got a commission on you. You're not just called to know him, but like Jonah, you're called to serve him as, a, as an ambassador of the King of Kings. Take the good news of Jesus. He wants to work through his church. That's you and me. Go to the wicked city, he says. Jonah is very surprised. Jonah is offended. Jonah did not expect to be sent to the wicked city of Nineveh, capital of Assyria. Jonah is a religious person. He's like the Pharisees of the New Testament who are offended because Jesus associates with tax collectors and sinners. And we can all get offended about that and we would prefer to go on mission to nice people, to safe places, to people who are going to accept what we say. And the reason why we're all fearful of sharing our faith is because we're, we're scared of rejection. And all the while we're scared of rejection, we're loving ourselves more than we are loving others. And that is painful. And we need God's grace to overcome that selfishness. Self-centeredness of self-love and self-centeredness. And Jonah is offended. Go to the cruel, ruthless people of Nineveh. This is what Tim Keller writes. And I'd, if you want to read a good book about uh, Jonah, he wrote, wrote the book The Prodigal Prophets. a very good book, very encouraging covers a lot more stuff than I'm going to be covering in this short series. This is what um, Tim Keller writes. After cap about the Assyrians. After capturing enemies, Assyrians would typically cut off their legs and one arm. L yeah, you think your workplace is hard, right? Leave the other arm and hand so they could shake the victim's hand in mockery as he was dying. They force friends and family members to parade with the decapitated heads of their loved ones elevated on poles. Now, I'm sure they weren't all like that. But that shows something of the culture that he's being sent to. Would you be scared? Oh, Jonah, just go. If God is calling you, go. Yeah, get your head put on a pole. 
They forced friends and families, I've just mentioned that, I don't want to read that again. They pulled out prisoners' tongues, stretched their bodies on, on, with ropes so they could be flayed, that means their skin taken off with ro- um, whipping, flayed alive, and their skins, after that, if the, what was left of it, displayed on the city walls. They burned adolescents alive, sorry youth group, you're, you're adolescents, that's you, that's the youth group. They burned the youth group alive. Oh, welcome up. What did he say? What did he say? Those who survived the destruction of their cities were fated to endure cruel and violent forms of slavery. The Assyrians have been called a terrorist state. We may know some terrorist states around the world. Let's not be closed to God's voice and our involvement in helping them to come to know Jesus. Perhaps you will be called in some way to serve another nation, not just this nation. But what, can be, what I can tell you for certain is this. We will not serve another nation if we will not serve our own. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. It always starts where you are. That's true of anything, guys. True of anything. Don't wait for tomorrow for any good thing. Start where you are. It will never happen tomorrow. Start doing whatever you need to do today, where you are. So that's, you know, I'm not surprised. You know, idolatry. So, so what are the kind of evil? It says in, um, it says their wickedness has come up before me. But what kind of things are we talking about here? We're talking about idolatry, aren't we? We're talking about the worship of false gods. We're talking about evil ways and violence. So in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. So within Nineveh, evil ways and violence was a stereotypical form of behavior in the culture that they were in. Wickedness and violence. What does that mean? It means sexual sin of many kinds. Violence against those who are weaker. Probably domestic abuse. Probably violence against young people. The stronger abusing the weaker. This is the kind of thing that we're talking about. And that's not foreign to our culture, is it? And this is an act of compassion from God. God doesn't point out their wickedness so he can gloat. He doesn't just point it out. Like we shouldn't, should we? We shouldn't just say to someone, like point out people's faults. We point out faults so we can help people to change. And the way we do that is to help them to change, right? And this is true of God. God is preaching against them because he wants them to repent and have a better life, a better society, more peaceful, more kindness. And the beginning of transformation is the pointing out of our faults, wickedness, preach against their wickedness. We've got to be humbled before we can be healed. And the gospel begins 
with knowing we are sinners. We are under God's judgment. We need forgiveness from God. And that forgiveness is available, isn't it? Through the Jonah who did not run away. He came to the wicked world. Like Jonah went down into the sea, Jesus went down into death for you and me. So that through faith in him, you and I can be forgiven of our sins. It begins with humility. Just as the diagnosis of a doctor, even though it might be serious, you have something very serious, it's a kindness. Nineveh had a serious disease. Our culture, our world has a serious disease. It's fallen from God. It needs to be forgiven. It needs to come back to God through Jesus Christ. We read, don't we, in John 3.16, God so loved the world. It's the compassion of God. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, who's like Jonah, coming into the world. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. For God did not set but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So you see the issue here. So God is compassionate, but he doesn't, he doesn't just speak of our sins so that he can gloat over us. No, so that we can come to know Jesus. And it says here that we are perishing. Nineveh is perishing. We are perishing without Jesus Christ. Have you received Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again? Has you, have you received him as your Lord and Savior? If not, you are perishing. You are in your sin. You are separated from God. And you will be separated from God for eternity unless you receive him. I leave that with you. I invite you to come to the Alpha Course, as I've said. But this is an act of compassion. Jonah has to go and tell them about their sin because God is compassionate for them. Now, Jonah doesn't share God's compassion initially. He runs away. And many of us run away from talking about sin. Many in the church run away from talking about sin. Many in the church today talk about everyone going to heaven. Jesus' death is a good example. He didn't die for sin. God just... For God just overlooks sin no matter what. That's not an act of love. That's an act of cowardice. It's untruthful to the gospel. It's untruthful to the scriptures. Although I'm sure they're driven by compassion and kindness. I don't know. But the gospel begins with bad news and it's compassion of God. Now we have the same call on us, guys. Will we run towards God's call or will we run away from God's call? Will we go to Nineveh? Or will we run away from Nineveh? Will we go to our Nineveh where God has put you? And will you be prepared to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Or your story of how you have come to know Jesus Christ? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be having a few interviews about how... Individuals are doing their best 
to do what we call serve, invest and invite. Which is a strategy we have for how we seek to reach our community or the different communities we're in for Jesus. Our, our vision is bringing people to Jesus, myself, one another and my community. God has put you all, all of us, we're all, we are all in different communities. And you're there as a missionary. You're there to earn money. You're there to get an education. But first of all, and I don't, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that, first of all, you're there as an ambassador of Christ. First of all, you're there. Now, it's going to take, like, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me. Because your Nineveh is difficult, right? It's not easy, is it, where, to share your faith where you are, is it? Is it? It's not. Is it, is it, is it easy for you? It's not, is it? And our culture's become increasingly hostile, isn't it, to these things. But every generation has its own challenges, and we've got to face our own, bravely, trusting in God rather than cowardly, and running away, which is a temptation. So serve, invest, and invite is our simple strategy of how we seek to reach our community for Jesus. We serve people. We serve in your classroom, in your office. Jesus was a great servant, practical help, bringing a culture of kindness. Say culture of kindness. Yeah, think, think how that would change your classroom or your, or your uh, staff room or your office or your meetings where there's cynicism and maybe backbiting and anger and, and, and gossip, that we are tempted to run away from God's ways and go into that, right? So we can serve and bring the goodness of Jesus there. And that service gives you a platform for sharing your faith. If they see your life doesn't match up with, the, with, with your profession, no one's going to listen to you. To serve. Invest, secondly. Say invest. That means going deeper, seeking to build deep friendships with individuals that God has put into your life. You can't do it with everyone. That's not possible to do it with everyone. And if you spread yourself too thinly, you, you, we can't do it at all. So pray, Lord, who are the people that you want me to invest in? That person that you know their mother is ill, you say, oh, you take an interest in them and you follow up with them and you say, I'll be praying for you, even if they're not people of faith, for example. Investing in people, taking time for people. And I failed at this in the past. I know I have. I was so caught up in church life. I want you, called, I want you involved in church, right? But don't be so involved in church that you can't Spend time with your non-believing friends. There's someone. Amen. Who is that? Who is that? Also, don't be so caught up in Netflix, which is probably more our problem, right? Yeah? Yeah. No amen there. No, I know, I know there's lots of reasons. So invest. And then finally, invite. Inviting is that stage where we say, why don't you come along to Alpha? Why don't you come along to church? 
why don't you come along to the carol service? Or, the ultimate, why don't you come to know Jesus, inviting them into the community of God and inviting them to come to know God. But unless you've served them, most of you will feel, won't you? Like, you've got to build that bridge. In our kind of culture, you can, you, don't get me wrong, some of you will go out just preaching the gospel and all the rest of it, and God bless you. But for most of you, this process will be helpful for you to feel like you're making good progress in the realm of evangelism. Now I'm going to invite Brenda up, and I'm going to ask her about Serve, Invest, and Invite. So let's welcome Brenda. So thank you, Brenda, for being prepared to stand in front of the church and sing a song for us. You don't want to hear that me song, sing. That solo you, you mentioned earlier. Okay. So there's a few questions here that we're going to go through together. So outside of the church, what are the communities you would say that God has put you into? Um, well, family. Family is a community. So he's placed me in my family, family of my colleagues, my team that I work with. Um, Glenis and I belonged to a ministry team outside of church and friends. That, those are my communities. Great, great. So do you have any examples of how you serve in yeah. those communities to demonstrate God's love? My time, the giving of my time. My time's precious, those who know me. I really value my time. But also by actively listening. In my job, I work with people who need to be listened to, but also my colleagues Sometimes they might be having a rough day and I make that time, even though I'm stopping what I'm doing just to listen, but I make the time to listen. And also supporting in practical ways. We don't always have to say, Jesus, I'm not saying we shouldn't say that, but sometimes someone might have a need. They might need you to do shopping or something or to wash the dishes or something, which I do with my daughter sometimes. But So we can support people in practical ways and people are watching us and that's demonstrating God's love. I love that active listening for good yeah because we can pretend we don't you sometimes someone's speaking to you and then you say did you hear me oh sorry I wasn't really listening so it's to actively listen it's to put down what you're doing and right I'm listening to what you're saying and we all want to be listened to we don't want to be speaking to someone who's not listening to us so it's yeah. important to actively listen so put your phone down maybe put your phone down put turn phone off down. Netflix turn off Netflix yeah that <laughs> and just thing. spend the time listening to what really the person important yeah what challenges do you have in investing in relationships God has given you? Work commitments. That tends to be the biggest thing. Um, yeah, work what commitment. Time of work, yeah, my yeah. time of work. And when I'm finished, um, and I'm being honest, I'm really being honest, sometimes I just don't have the energy or the mental strength to, to be doing the active listening that I just spoke about. But I'm being honest. And um, sometimes tiredness. I'm getting older, and um, I'm tired Are sometimes. You not getting older? And also distance. My, my daughter, one of my daughters lives really far away, so the distance sometimes. And more importantly, um, I suffer with so, um, social anxiety. I might not seem as if I do. My son knows. I do. So sometimes if I'm invited somewhere, it takes a lot for me to go. I have to really speak to my mind and say, right, I'm going to make that effort to go. And it's not because I don't want to go, but... Yeah, it's difficult sometimes. So those are some of the things that stands yes. in my way. Yeah, I'm sure most people would relate to a lot of that, wouldn't they? Uh, the reason why I'm asking this question is most of us think it's easier for someone else. And uh, it's not. We're all, we've all got our own challenges around this. 
Do you have any examples of how you invest in relationships in your life? Yeah, make, coming back to making time. You know, we live in a very busy world, don't we? Um, you might not work in the type of job I work in, um, but you could have families. Rachel's got children, you know, and you might want to make that time, but you've got things that you're doing. So I make time. I um, intentionally make, that's my new thing for this year, intentionally make time. I'm going to make time for people. And um, so even with the social anxiety, work commitments, I'm going to invest in people by making time. Going for a coffee with my colleagues, they're always going on social events. I never really go often, but I'm going to make more of an effort to go so that I can be just demonstrating God's love by being there with them. I might not like things that they're doing, and I'm not saying going to get drunk and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. But going for coffee, going for a meal, you know, making that time um, for people. People value time. Yeah. If you think about it, when people give you time, don't you feel like, oh, you feel special? So that's what we need to be doing. Well, Brenda, that's what I need to be doing. Yeah. I think it's a good point, actually. She, she said it's a lot of a resolution, really. Spend, what do you call it? Focus time, Carla? Yeah, spending time. Spending time. Intentionally. With Intentional time, yeah. I encourage you to write down, if you've got something like this, you feel during this series or as you enter the new year, write down this thing that you feel, particularly around mission, and pray it. Keep coming back and praying it. You know, you feel, yeah, Lord, help me to give this time. And keep praying it and praying it and praying it because we rely on God to change us, don't we, in, in the first place. So could I just say something yeah, else? And not feeling guilty when you fail of giving time. Because sometimes we think, oh, I should have made that time. And I didn't, but you acknowledge that, right? I didn't do it, right? I'm going to do it next time. Yes, I'm doing it. That's it. So yeah. just getting back up and doing it because you're conscious of the t that you didn't do it. Yeah. But, you know, God doesn't beat us over the head with a stick. He understands. So right, I'm going to do it and just make that time. Yeah. Brilliant. That's right. Do you have any examples of how you have invited people into the church community or an event? Yeah, the Christmas carol. <laughs> I invited my elder sister. She was sick. She couldn't come. But my daughter, my granddaughter, and other members of the family came. And they were really blessed by that. And I've got my son to thank for that. Because, you know, I always say, oh, they're never doing this. They're never doing that. You know, sometimes we can be judgmental. But then he said, well, why don't you just invite them to something? Something so simple. And I called my sister. She said, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. But she got sick. And then my daughter came. And my granddaughter. And she loved it. So something, sometimes it can be daunting to say to a colleague, oh, do you want to come to a church service? And I know Glenys, her colleagues comes with her, but my colleagues, it's, sometimes I am a bit nervous. To, they know I'm a Christian and they will call on me to pray with them. But to say to come to a church service, it would know. So if it was a women in the event, maybe that. But just to say to come to church on a Sunday, yeah, I might seem brave and all that, but sometimes it is daunting. So I'll start with my family and branch out from there. I think we all, we, we all, we're all nervous, aren't we, about inviting people to events. And uh, some of you are much braver than others, but most people find it hard. It's worth acknowledging that. Yeah, it's worth acknowledging, acknowledging that and knowing that we're the same. So, and, and to take a step forward on that. So, finally, do you have any examples of inviting people to know God through the gospel? Yeah, I share my testimony. Yeah, God has called us to share our testimony. Yeah. I share it loud and proud. I'm not, I'm not frightened of that. Um, and I'll go to churches and do that. Um, I do it on a one-to-one -one basis, sit down with someone and say, well, listen, this is what I've been through. 
this is what God has brought me through. And sometimes on a one-to-one basis, it's quite good. You're having a cup of coffee, they're sharing, and then I can share what God has done in my life. And they will think, gosh, if he can do it in her life, he can do it in my life too. Also, sending encouraging verses or um, voice notes. I'm not one for writing long texts. I get tired of doing that. But I'll just send an encouraging verse or a podcast. I listened to one this morning. I'm going to send it to family members. And also verses that really, I think, might be connected to something that someone's going through. I'll send a verse and say, well, listen, this is what God said. Why don't you ponder on that? Maybe we can speak about it later. And I could sort of explain it bit better than I'm than I would do if I was just to do it um I don't know if I've thank answered you, Brenda wasn't that good yeah thank you Brenda sorry can I just say one thing um can I just share yeah, one verse have a song now are we no <laughs> one day um I was I really I'm very much about obedience yeah and um I'm not saying I get it right all the time but in Isaiah, it ties in with what um, Matt's going to be preaching over the next few weeks. But in Isaiah 6, 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And in Isaiah, it says, And I said, Here I am, send me. I have to get to that place where we say, God, send me. I'm willing, I'm nervous, everything like that. But send me. I will do what you've asked me to do. Because he doesn't ask you to do something without equipping you to do it. So let our, let our voices be, Lord, send me. Brilliant stuff. Well done. So let's stand together.